one. Over the years, we've made a lot of calls on this show. Some good ones and some bad ones. We're going to talk about the Ackman Bottom a little bit more today, especially after Pump and Powell did his job. There have been other great calls in the past. We're going to review one in just a few minutes. Earnings, looking good. A lot of green on the screen, unless your solar edge. We got a new guest to talk about volatility in the options market and how we can use it to your advantage. It's Thursday and it's pre-market prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Welcome, traders and investors. Three-day winning streak on our way to four. Up 24 and a quarter handles trading near the highs of the pre-market session at 42.8050. Buck pulling back. Oh, that's substantial. That's down 76 cents. That's certainly helping the market. The bonds, not only over 110, over 111 at 111 and a half. Crude getting a bounce. Will not go down into that 70 handle. Up a buck 08 at 81.52. Gold up 870, but still just can't put two thousand make two thousand support. Silver joining the rally today, back over twenty-three, up thirty-seven cents at twenty-three sixteen. And Bitcoin finally cleared that thirty-five K hurdle. We're up seven hundred and eighty-five dollars at thirty-five thousand seven hundred and fifty. Let's bring in triple D here. Add triple D. I'm gonna test that memory of yours. Why? My memory sucks. And I'm sick. I know. I know. You haven't been sick in a while. No, I know. I was due. I was due. It's a light cold, but it's annoying enough that I'm like kind of congested. I thought I might okay. be getting sick, and then the last day, it's just kind of hit me. Okay, so you, you've you been talking about, I'll put the TLT up here. You've been talking about the Ackman bottom, right? Oh, yeah. And we're, we're farther away from it now. Do you remember... Another bottom that was called in the market, it was by me, it was 2016, and it had a name with it too, and it, it was associated with the bank, with the Jamie, Jamie Diamond, Diamond bottom? bottom. Yep, the Jamie yeah, Diamond Yeah, what was bottom. that though? Refresh my memory. I don't remember why. Uh, the mark, this is April 7th of 2016. The market I don't remember was- remember us selling off in 2016. You don't remember us selling off? No, I remember yeah. just a bull market from like 2011 to like 2021. <laughs> uh, well, there was a, at least I thought there was a point where the market was in the ditches. But anyways, Jamie yeah. Diamond bought $25 million worth of stock in mid-February of that year. At the time, the market was did not look good. I can't remember what happened the entire year. But that just so now we had the Jamie Diamond bottom, which we haven't talked about. Long time. I know he sold some stocks, so that was a pretty nice trade. But let's talk about the admin bottom. I mean, was Mr. Powell that dovish is my question. 
I, I just think, honestly, Bill Ackman put some confidence back into the bond market. That tweet, we've covered our bond shorts, and people will say, oh, no, the bond market's too big. Ackman can't turn it. He did it. He turned it. The bonds wanted some vote of confidence. That was the vote of confidence. Even though it wasn't like I'm buying bonds. It was like no. the cover the bond shorts. And we know that morning we turned around on the TLT. We turned around on the bonds. It was a huge day. We gave some back. We've been meandering and just hanging out for five, six trading sessions. But now we're trying to resolve to the upside. It's a good possibility here that bonds have seen their lows. There's a good possibility. It's not for sure. Never for sure. Nothing's for sure. But there's a decent probability that the bonds have seen their lows. And it coincides right with that Ackman tweet. So I'm calling it the Ackman bottom of the bonds. What does that mean? It's good for stocks because if bonds have seen their lows, that means long-term rates can start to maybe come in here a little bit. And then Powell, bring Money Mitch in here, please. Yeah, I was just Money that Mitch too. in the conversation what here. Up, guys? Powell um, like really didn't say anything hawkish <laughs> yesterday. He was pretty much at, you know steady as she goes, but didn't say anything to derail the confidence that is starting to build in the bond market. And we know as these bonds go is how the IWM and a lot of smaller companies with a lot of debt are going to go. So if TLT can sustain this rally and continue to stay above 85, I think there's a chance that stocks bottom three days ago. Well, the Ackman low is holding, as you guys can see on this screen. I'm going to leave them on my chart there. So <laughs> that's it. Leave it on there forever. It's the Bill Ackman low. I love that. Bill Ackman to the rescue. <laughs> is he going to come on the show or what? Uh, he, he, hasn't, he hasn't answered me yet. Could they don't have answer us. I mean, we, nobody gives Bill more love than we do, even right? though we gave him hate for years. <laughs> we love you now, Bill. We tune, we've changed our tune. We think you control the entire bond market. Come on and tell us about it. Bell, belly boy, come well, on here. While I do, Mr. Ackman. He loves me called Mr. Ackman. I'll wear a suit. If he comes on the show, I'll wear a suit. I won't. <laughs> I'll shave, though. All right, guys. Um, now, one thing I did catch in that FOMC conference yesterday, this is not going to be a bullish comment. I'll just say that. I mean, I understand what you mean. Also, Dennis, that he didn't really get too hawkish, but there was one. Q&A question that I think is important. What I always like to look at in the FOMC conference is how does the report compare to his answers in the Q&A? And is there something different there, right? So in the report, clear as day, they said that banking was sound, right? Um, yeah, I saw that. Sound and resilient. Um, I think I even have the, here, here's the exact comment in the report. So the U.S. banking system is sound and resilient, but tighter financial and credit conditions for household and businesses are expected to weigh on economic activity, hiring, and inflation. And then he was asked a question about that, and I think his answer wasn't necessarily a strong answer here. He said that it's something that we're watching, and we do have issues with interest rates and also, you know, funding and uninsured deposits in March, that the things went through in March and thereafter. So we've been working on a lot of, with a lot of financial institutions to make sure that they have good funding plans and are good and that they have a plan for how to deal with that kind of portfolio, unrealized losses that they have. We do, we do think though that the banking system is quite resilient and we have a handful of bank failures, but that is what we're doing out there is helping those banks essentially. And so they're saying they're holding, to me, they're holding up those banks right now. If they weren't there stepping in, these banks would fall. 
I'm not sure if that's the case here yet, but I still think there will be more bank failures. So I think um, I'm still with you, Money Mitch, on that. I think that in 2024, we're going to see some more bank failures coming. Money Mitch just left. Uh, but he gave some pretty good comments before he left. They're trying to he's get like, me out, trying, man. They're trying still, to pull still me, try. Man. I know. That's what it is. Powell just They're shut you down. They're trying to get me, man. shut me down, man. Big, yeah. Yeah. Big and, brother and that was a different answer than saying that the banks are quite resilient, right? Sound and resilient, but yet you're literally holding them up and that a lot of them have massive unrealized losses. They do. They're, the mortgage <laughs> like, books are really the mortgage books are really bad. As much as every U.S. consumer is happy that they obviously financed and they got their two and a half percent mortgage or three percent mortgage for the next thirty years, there's a bank on the other side saying, "Oh my God, this is really bad." So Dennis, I mean, you, this are you getting this, lifted on any offers there? Are you getting lifted? Joel's Joel scared of the rally. Joel's scared. I'm not scared of the rally. I love the I, rally. I've been I, I've been trading from the long side here, so I don't mind the market going higher okay. here. I'm actually long stocks right now, but. Let, let's talk. Uh, we don't want to get. We've we've went through the banking stuff before. You kind of know where me and money Mitch stand. I do think there will be more problems. I do think it's not the place I want to be investing in U.S. regional banks here. I think there will be issues. But I will tell you, in the short term here, going back to the Ackman thing, is the bond market has stabilized, and that's what stocks wanted to see. So you're starting to see a rally not only in the S and P, but IWM starting to participate as well. IWM probably bounced right where it needed to bounce here. Joel, go to the long-term chart so we can just talk about this. We talked about the potential for this bounce area here. 162.50, that was the October lows. Oh, we challenged yes. that. Barely took it out, a little undercut and rally, but we took it out by about 50, 60 cents. Um, go back to April of 2021, or actually July, same this area, 162.78. Yeah. You can draw a line or blow that up on the bottom right chart. Yeah. You can see it very, very clearly. Blowing it up even more here is the IWM bounced exactly where you wanted it to bounce. So that's good news for the bulls. I think there's a case for a short-term rally here. I think the rally, I think we're moving from sell the rip to buy the dip. I think we've done very well in this market, trading it from the short side for the last three to four weeks. I think the short trades, you got to take a back seat on those for a minute. Not saying you come in here and chase today. To Spinner's point, we've had a pretty good pop here in the S&P already. We do have Apple earnings tonight, but I think you've got to have that buy the dip mentality hat on here. We had evidence that it was working yesterday. AMD was not oh, great, the earnings AMD. reports, but they found a reason to come in and just rip it higher. Yes, I'm still along that half size position of AMD. Did not add to it. One stock I did buy yesterday, or two days ago, actually. We, did, we were supposed to talk about it yesterday. We never got to it. I bought it two days ago. It was NVIDIA. So I did add you NVIDIA did? to my oh, long-term portfolio. I thought portfolio. you did talk about that. Oh, that was no, we talked in the pre-pre-market show. I don't think we actually. Maybe we did. Chad, no, I don't we didn't. Remember. We didn't. We didn't. I, we we talked about. We didn't about get there. We, didn't get there we never got too. to it. We never mentioned NVIDIA yesterday, and it was on the list. So I bought it two days ago, uh, feeling like the undercut and rally trick was there. So the undercut and rally, obviously, it took out under 400, reversed on a dime. I'm in a 408, so I'm not in at the very Woo! bottom in by Hero 392. I'm in a 408. 432, though, two days later, so feeling pretty good about that buy, actually. Um, I talked about buying it, Joel, on the show. We talked about you know saying if this got down into the low 300s, I would back up the truck and load. But I was like, I took, I took a small size position, half size position on NVIDIA, just uh, a starter position just in case you know this undercut and rally works. And I, I do believe the AI story is real. And I was saying on the show, I think NVIDIA powers the next bull market. So I want it part of my long-term portfolio. If it pulls back further, I will buy more. So I did not do the whole position. I did a half-size position on NVIDIA. 
All right, let's get to SMCI. Let's start getting to these reports here. Supermicro Computers, Q1 EPS, $3.43. Beats $3.20 estimate. Sales of $2.12 billion beat the $2.06 billion estimate. Not a bad report after a really bad one last time. What do you think about this? I, I like this stock, and um, the, the report was actually pretty solid. I think this is an AI play. I think this moves NVIDIA even itself. I think NVIDIA is trading up because of one Qualcomm, but two SMCI. If you were watching the, tra the trading action SMCI, NVIDIA ripped on the initial rip on SMCI, and then SMCI went red for whatever reason, went down to like 248, and then they pulled NVIDIA right back. And then SMCI just started catching a bit. They started talking about it on CNBC and it started moving higher here. So it's up. I think you're buying dips. Again, not chasing. You know, we're chasing the market to a certain extent, even NVIDIA. You know, would I come in here and buy it at 432 today? Well, no, I just bought a 408 literally 48 hours ago. So, I mean, it's already popped 5%. So I don't think you're in an environment where you still want to chase. But I think you've got, you know, the buy the dip hat on here now where you, maybe Apple, Bye bye. disappoints for whatever reason just saying possibilities i don't know if apple's going to disappoint but i think there's underneath demand in a lot of stocks here now i think this market has changed from sell the rip to buy the dip and it changed three days ago uh nice pop here uh let me get the uh 24 hour chart up here for smci i remember you went you went uh and the initial plunge i remember you went into that dennis when it had the big get maybe it was a couple days after I remember you went in that one. You were just like, oh, well, you know what the heck. Uh, Pre-market high is just over 270. Let's call that an after-hours high at 274.86. Nothing on the dailies here to say that that is a good number. If you're looking for more on the upside, oh, wow, next daily high, 289.49. So if you're shorting this thing just because you feel like shorting it, uh, there's not a lot in here, folks. So it, it's scary. I, I think we're not in the sell the rip camp here. We were in the sell the rip camp for the last month, correctly in the sell the rip camp. I posted my results. I did well last month again. Sell the rip. Obviously, Christian was reaching out to me. Thanks, Christian. I mean, sell the rip has been working for me. I don't think we're in that camp right now. I think, like, if you're looking, you know, to you know, oh, this is the rip. I'm going to get short here. I think you got to be careful selling the rip because I do think the TLT gives us reason for follow through. So as long as the TLT stays above 85, TLT turns around, starts you know mm -hmm. crushing down back below 84, 83, 82. Okay, sell the rip starts to work again, but use it as an indicator. We talked about this on that level, above right? 85. We should be buyers of stocks. We're 86.10, another good day for the TLT. Yes, I'm long TLT. I, I have the half size position because I sold half at, at the loser. Um, I think I sold around 84 and a half um, or 84, which wasn't good, but I'm still long the half size, but it's not about that. It's about being the indicator here, about Agreed. the indicator for your portfolio. And I think, bulls have control as long as the TLT is above 85. Yep. And I, I would definitely say that could last all the way to the end of the year, right? It may, it may last to next week. I mean, again, that's we'll what see. I'm using for the indicator. So basically, here's my formula, algorithmic traders out there. TLT above 85, I'm buying the dip. TLT below 84, I'm selling the rip. That's where I'm at. So the 86 up for goes, that 87 one, goes, I'm in the buy the dip camp. I'll go 84 traders. starts going, 83 starts going, I'm in the sell the rip camp. Right now, I'm in the buy the dip camps. Why you got to continue to listen to the show? People will listen exactly. to the show, say last week Dennis was bearish, and you know he's dead and, wrong. And I want to go ahead and, and jump in there and kind of uh, give a vote of confidence. 
Dennis did tell me he was long NVIDIA. Him and I talked about it. I told him he was insane. He told me I'm <laughs> stepping up to the plate. Um, so I wanted to kind of put that out there. I know sometimes you guys don't get to catch those comments, but I'm always going to stand up and be transparent with you guys. We were like supposed to talk about it yesterday. Yeah, no, we, we were talking. Dennis, you know what you should explain a little bit because, and we probably don't do this enough on this show, about, you know, valuations and, and the way that you looked at it. And you talk about, I mean, you talk about valuations uh, all the time. And, you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, oh, you can't buy a video now. They, you know, this, when it's actually probably a cheaper stock now than maybe it was, bef you know, before its last earnings report. Why don't you just uh, give a quick two well, seconds? Well, that's it. Dan Niles, you know, had that interview on CNBC three nights ago and got me thinking about it. And he's like, NVIDIA is trading 26 times forward earnings here, if you if you believe the earnings are going to hit. And it's growing at 40 50%. Now, I think those growth rates, you know, I think there's some pull forward there. So I'm not super, like, I didn't go all in on NVIDIA here. But I just start thinking about, like, I, I've said it on the show. You know, we've said it for the last week. I think NVIDIA drives the next bull market because I think AI is going you to did. drive the next bull you market. And I, I don't and know I if the that's the case, right? but I'm like, I can't keep we'll talking about NVIDIA driving and not own it. <laughs> so I'm like, I've, I should just, you know, put my money where my mouth is. Um, I knew it was like catching a falling knife and it really was. Even with the undercut and rally trick, I was still was catching the falling knife, but I did a half size position. I don't know if I'm going to be right. Maybe it's just going to fall over and maybe Apple's going to disappoint and maybe it's going to be back down. Yeah, that'd be a big thing. Apple disappointing well, and you got a jobs number. 818, we got to do some earnings. Mitch, yeah, you're driving the bus. You're Qualcomm the bus. adjusted EPS, $2.02, $1.91 estimate. Revenues of $8.665 billion beat the $8.51 billion estimate. They do see adjusted EPS at $2.25 to $2.45. This is above the $2.10 estimate. Revenues at $9.1 to $9.9 .9 versus an $8.67 billion estimate. And my camera is just not liking pre-market prep because huh. yesterday, as soon as I got out of here, it was perfect on live trading, but I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I'm just going to keep, keep, keep working, guys. Keep working. That's all I, I'm going to keep flowing. Um, so I'm going to be the voice in the back bringing you the earnings today. So definitely smash the like for that. Love, what do you guys see on this Qualcomm? Of course, this is more business to business. Nice monthly candle, uh, I think, because you can see the support there. Can it hold that monthly? What do you think about that, guys? Uh, I'm still long Qualcomm for those who say my, you know, long-term account is one month. I mean, in some cases it's longer than this. I bought this back, I believe in 2016. Long time ago. Long time ago when Sean Udall was on the show and it was his yep. pick and Sean tech stocks. Obviously he knows them very well, does a lot of research. This was his pick and the valuation was attractive. Um, I did sell half when it got to 120. So forever playing with the house's money. Um, I'm I'm still in it. Can so I add here half. for Qualcomm because I did some research. I was reading over yeah, the sure. weekend about their Snapdragon, and the Snapdragon is their new chip is pretty good, guys. Um, it's pretty advanced, and they're going to be trying to bring it to different uh, kind of laptops. And I think that this is really more and more just showing me how much competition Intel has coming for them. Like it's going to be tough road in the chip business, right? AMD. Uh, you got, of course, you're going to have Intel, you're going to have Apple making chips, you have Qualcomm making chips. I mean, there's high competition in this oh, space. huge competition in the space. I think there's room for a lot of them, though. I mean, chips are not going away. Chips are in everything, Mitch. Yeah, I have a ceiling fan. <laughs> and I'm like, you turn it on, and then it looks, <laughs> and it kind of does its thing. And my brother-in-law is here, and he's like, that's the chip. It's figuring out, you know, which speed and stuff. So I'm like, you know, we have... You know, chips, in a, there's a there's a, a processor in my ceiling fan. 
it's in everything. So chips are in everything. I mean, obviously, you got to pick the right chips. Just like, you know, I like all dressed or salt and vinegar or dill pickle. I don't oh, like that's an old one. <laughs> that's a bad digression. But I think, you know, if you're buying chips, uh, obviously, I think Qualcomm's got a place. I think there's a place for a lot. Of them. I think there's a place for Marvell. I think there's a place for AMD and NVIDIA and Intel. And I think there's a place for a lot of these. I think chips are not going away. What are your favorite chips? I got to go dill pickle still. Dill pickle. Really? Yeah, what are yours? Uh, I, I dill pickle's it. pretty awesome. Doritos, barbecue. Oh, well, Doritos are good. You we were saying chips. Guys, I'm moving this on. Let's go. Oh, okay. <laughs> Roku. Thank you, Buzz's of... Chips no, 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 Ahoy. No, no, Those are pretty good chips, too. Wait a second. Wait a second. And French onion dip. Uh, I got to alert our hell of a good series. dip. It's a hell of a good dip. Oh. The sour cream, the cheddar Feel sour cream. Feel good for your heart. Um, oh, yeah, the heart loves it. You guys got to keep an eye on 118, you bulls out there, because there was three highs at that area. We're trading there in the pre-market. Doesn't look like it wants to go down at this point. But 118, you had three highs there in early August. And then you get into this candle right here. And I don't know where you're going to stop in that candle because some people got caught in that one, man. That down day after the gap down. So 118, that's my level in Qualcomm. Never buy the rep, never sell the dip is pretty much where I'm at. And then I'm either buy the dip or sell the rep. So Qualcomm ripping, I'm not buying it up six no. bucks here today. Roku. You get a dip back and you like the earnings. There's always checkbacks. We're just not in this market. We're 2020 and the stock that goes up 6% goes up 60%. We're just not in that market. We're still not in that market. Even though the bulls have grabbed control, it's just moving us from sell the rip to buy the dip, not necessarily buy the rip. Buy the rip worked in 2020. We're not in that market. Roku, EPS, $2.33 at a loss there. That's not a gain there. Versus an 88 cents the prior year. Sales of 912.02 million. Beat the 855.16 million estimate. Earnings revenue grew 20% account uh, active accounts jumping and and the shares surging here. What do you guys think Roku with a big bounce back? Um it's a squeeze. I don't know what the short interest in is here but this is a stock that some people are short. So we're squeezing them a little bit. Low expectation stock has been killed. I don't think this is going to my long-term portfolio. Again, I still think it's kind of like TiVo Part 2, so I'm not a huge fan of this long-term. So short-term, I probably would be selling the rip, but I'm not shorting the rip on this because it's already you know squeezing a bet. And bulls are in control here right now. Stock could continue to go higher. Uh, but you know, you're looking at this, been in a downtrend, overhead supply coming in. I'm not buying it up 19%. If you're paying attention to your dailies and you're looking for some confluence with the pre-market high, your pre-market high comes in at 71.78. That was, yeah, 71. Do I have that? Yep, 71.78 at 5.30 this morning. And then you got this daily high right here at 71.46. So a little confluence there. Only one top there, so you can't get real carried away with it, but it is coinciding uh, with a daily high. Next daily high is way up in the 73 handle. So keep an eye on uh, taking out that pre-market high for uh, you uh, Roku trade. Two stocks, three minutes. Let's keep it flowing. Oh, so oh I like it. Here. Q3 adjusted EPS at a loss of 55 cents versus 91 cent positive last year. Man, revenues at 725.3 million, missed the 768.3 million estimate. Solar Edge on power oh, down oh, mode. Oh, 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 oh. 
This power down. Just the power disaster down. of the market. Solar stocks, financing issues, everything here, debt, you name it. They got problems. People can't afford it. You know, they can't Remember afford yesterday, uh, FSLR mention might oh, be a good short. Faded. Yeah. <laughs> You just can't touch solar. Um, <laughs> again, touch we're so oversold in this sector. There may be no sector that is more oversold than solar. It might be the most oversold sector, but man, it deserves it because these earnings are just turning into a disaster. disaster. Sunrun reports, it's down there too. I mean, I think you're too late to short these stocks. I just can't oh, you know, come in here and start buying because the risk reward here, the risk is just too incredible. Could they bounce? Are they oversold? You know, will some people make money on bounce? They already have. So I just got down like 57 bucks. So somebody already made 10% on this. It already has bounced, believe it or not. But what a disaster. What a fall from grace. This we should have seen coming a long time ago. When rates start to go higher, you just can't own stocks like this. Great report to kind of keep an eye out for. I'm going to keep us moving, Joe. I think yeah, I'm just going to say, I just want to say that you talk about oversold conditions. Mm -hmm. I think this, this stock and this sector maybe the most oversold sector I've ever seen. It is. Lithium I, too, Joel. I, I, when I see yeah. my lithium stocks what, are just killed. Talk about lithium. Well, They're well, gonna, yeah, everybody yeah, wants but... to beat me up always. I know those lithium stocks, the 1% of my portfolio is really hurting here. It's now down now a half a percent. percent. But yeah. well, and again, you know, I, it's my bad. There were bad calls. ALB, LTHM, disaster. It's just timing, I think, in that, in that case. It's timing. As oh, soon as I issue. sell LTHM and ALB, you got to go buy them because that will yeah. be the bottom. When I Thank sell you for letting me know that, Dennis. I'm putting that on the chart right now. Yeah, one of my stocks the one of the few stocks I sold three quarters of the position in and, the I, and I, me and Mitch talked to you yeah, on hey it. hey for and a little while it went up it, for a little while it went up yeah but the key is nice. that the lithium story and the EV story everyone made such such hype of it oh it's going to be like two or three years down the line this isn't going to be next year this is going to be the year it, after that cyclical Mitch this Something is the problem is it's cyclical as much as we hate the automotive companies these are suppliers to the EVs we got That's Ford exactly throwing in the is. towel basically on EV. I mean, we, we keep thinking EV is going to take over and everybody's going to be driving an EV and Ford doesn't know how to make them profitably. Tesla's just genius because none of the other companies know how to do it profitably. Um, and how are they going to, you know, at those labor costs? So I think you're right. I think it's just decreased demand for EVs here because, one, we're, we are going into a recession despite, yeah. you know, the stock market yeah. rally. Everyone recently. was talking, like Bill, I I'll give it to you. Everyone was talking lithium in 2000, thinking that it would be by this time already taken off. Everyone driving EVs everywhere. That's not what's happened. Let's go to an interesting report that it, has it is. flipped and here I'm from this morning. Uh, I think this is an important thing. You guys always talk about this reports that get hit and then come back before even the open Airbnb doing that right now. Q3 adjusted EPS $6.63 beats the $2.10 estimate. Sales of $3.4 billion beat the $3.37 billion estimate. But they did warn, of course, about the economy volatility and dampening travel demand. Um, they did see fourth quarter revenues in the range of $2.13 billion to $2.17 billion against a consensus of $2.18. But as you guys can see from the chart, it's already coming pop. back. Yeah, a little pop. This is what we were talking about, Joel. I was actually talking in a second, but this is such a good example. They're buying the depth on the earnings reports, the ones that are exactly. weak now. This is the mentality that's changed. A week ago, you didn't see this. They were selling the rips. Now you're seeing them buy the dips on the earnings reports. I mean, Generac was a turning point for me to see GNRC, which was not a good earnings report, rally 10% on that. I mean, it's telling you seller exhaustion, some of these stocks. ALB, we can bring it back to the lithium stocks. 
This is an epic disaster. LTHM reported the day before, epic disaster, terrible earnings. Again, cyclical businesses, they're suffering. But you know what? LTHM actually bounced yesterday, and ALB has tried to bounce here too. So they're even buying these gutter earnings. Um, and, you know, talking against my long-term portfolio here because both those stocks have been disasters in there. But when they start buying the trash, and these two stocks are definitely trash, um, you, you can see well, that. This is ahead. where we are right now. We're back to the buy the dip mentality. You can clearly see it. The evidence is there. Anything on this chart you want to give, Joel? I want to go to an interesting I, one that you have next. I just say, uh, Gordon just cut his uh, target on um, SEDG to uh, thirty-five fifty-five. So, Gordon, Gordon, we just talked about so many stocks. What, what stocks? No, Does Gordo have think... any buy ratings on anything? No, or no, he he's, he's a perma bear. Call him. He's I'll a perma bear, man. He's a perma bear. We love Gordo. He, he, he comes out the cave and mentions the stock and goes back to the cave. But let's go to PayPal here. I think Joe has some interesting comments on this one. I was also talking about this yesterday. It was so beaten down. A little part of me wanted to buy it, but so hard to buy earnings reports before they come out, right? Q3 adjusted EPS, $1.30 beats the $1.23 estimate. Net revenues at $7.4 billion beat the $7.384 billion estimate. They do see Q4 net revenue growth at 6 to 7% and see adjusted EPS at $1.36 versus $1.32. They did see, uh, they added a share repurchase mm. and expected to reach $5 billion with about $4.6 billion of free cash flow now, what the really interesting comment that I saw on the report was the PayPal CEO saying that the company will look to grow revenue outside of transaction related volume over time. So I think they even see the writing on the wall in that transaction business and they're starting to adjust. Uh, it's nice it's just massively here. oversold. I mean, you wow, what happened here at 830? Holy mackerel. What happened? Do we have some data here? We just blasted off again, Dennis. Do we have some 830 data yeah, there? Maybe we did. I don't know. We, I mean, we there's so much points. on the tape, man. Let's keep up with it here. I got you. Uh, we got some. Uh, That's last week's high we just did. 42.9050. Bulls have grabbed control here, folks. Bulls have grabbed control. If you're short stocks, you need to cover three days ago when TLT uh, started rallying. I don't see anything at 830, man. Um, I'm looking. Someone said something positive somewhere about jobless claims. Jobless claims came out 217 versus 214. So jobless claims. I mean, let's just be honest. That's I, I they're just riding the wave right now. I, I don't think it, it wasn't so anyways, we, we popped four handles. We wasn't a huge 40 point yeah. pop here. TLT. We were already up 30 up, handles. Dude. We popped another four. So back to PayPal. PYPL is way oversold. It's probably as cheap as the stock has ever been on a PE basis. Like, I, is it even trading 10 times earnings? Let's go look here. I must want to go Chesty Benzinga Pro, go to your details, PayPal, looking at the earnings, EPS, PE is nine. The four P on this is nine, Joel. PayPal's never trade. I'm going to say pay PayPal's possibly never traded with a PE of nine before be under 10. It's half the market multiple. So they are obviously pricing out a lot of bad stuff to happen to PayPal. I don't know if all that bad stuff's going to happen. I kind of think you're buying the dip on this one. Uh, there's not a dip. Or and, a and it's ripping today, nine. so that's not the dip. Right. I, I know. I know. You're not buying it. You're not buying it on the rip. Uh, pre well, I don't know. Maybe you almost should. 55. 55. It's not 70. that much of a rip. Maybe you should buy the rip on this one. 
55.70, so you're gapping up into this area. This is the candle you need to focus on uh, that day. Um, you had a high at 56.40, so that's the next target. A target above that would be in the 57 handle. Uh, just a comment, I did a little, little research on uh, PayPal and Square, and I don't know what the rules were before, but uh, you know, if you're receiving, I believe, over $600 on PayPal, and I don't know if this started last year, you're going to start getting 1099s. So I think a lot of people were using it. And I'm not necessarily saying for money laundering purposes or whatever, but I think that a lot of people were, were trying to get around the tax. So be careful on that. I don't, you know, if it's over 600, someone paid you, you should get a 1099. I don't know if it's a larger amount above that, but uh, that, you know, and also the other things concerning about this, I mean, this used PayPal Square used to be Bitcoin stocks, right? And man, they just weren't rallying with Bitcoin. So I think some of the money's left off the, you know, coming off the platform because these are they, these were never Bitcoin stocks, though people thought they were Bitcoin stocks because Square, you know, and was going to have and transact in Bitcoin, and PayPal was going to transact in Bitcoin. I mean, you can buy nonsense. You can buy it on the, on those platforms, Dennis. Yeah, but these aren't like Bitcoin plays. They had these chalked up, and you can clearly see I, that that I remember that when these dropped. Uh, I remember when these dropped, at least from their their really high, that was in October of last year, and it was a mention on Bitcoin on Visa, and and that started bringing all these down. It was with Visa, Mastercard, and all of a sudden Square and PayPal started getting hit harder than those. Visa and Mastercard turned around, but those kept falling. I just remember that catalyst that was last year. And how much to 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 Crassie's point in the chat? How much is Apple Pay hitting this thing now too? That I mean, we talked. It, it was a reason I sold my PayPal stocks years ago. Sold it way too soon, but I was concerned about Apple Pay coming and eating their lunch. I think that some of these eating of the lunch is happening seriously to PayPal too. So there's multiple reasons. One thing though is it is cheap and it is oversold, and right now those stocks are moving higher. All right, guys. I think I know why we moved on there. I don't think it was a jobless claims numbers. What I'm going to bring in here is something that we don't talk about often, but it's the non-farm productivity number. Um, okay. And so I think that this is showing and I'll show exactly why I think this is it, because it's showing that unit labor costs in non-farm business sectors decreased 0.8% in the third quarter. So essentially that wage inflation that we're looking for, this shows a decrease in wage inflation. Oh, that's good news. So that's good news, right? That would yeah. maybe help the market out here. I don't think it was a jobless claims. Of course, this is my analysis of what I'm seeing just hit. And we don't normally talk about non-farm productivity, but I think that this definitely came in higher. You can see it, 4.7 versus a 4.1 estimate, and the prior being 3.6, so big jump there in non-farm productivity. You're on mute, Joe. The old... We got our guest coming on here, too. So, guest is okay. in the background uh, here. I'll... Okay. All right. Uh, All right, so make, Dennis and I my... are going to hop out. Um, okay. Let's go ahead. Let's put Joel full screen here, and he's going to introduce our guest today, guys. Take over, Joel. Okay, we're going to bring on Richard Salvala Jr. He's the CEO and founder of Harvest Volatility Management. He is a big Michigan man as me, but uh, we won't talk about that today. There's a lot of other things going on. Let's bring on Richard. Hey, Rick, how you doing? Good morning, Joel. Doing great. 
Good, good. good so just a little background. Uh, he is the founder and CEO of Harvest Volatility Management. So I just want to talk about volatility in a broad sense here uh, because you talk about asset classes, right? And Bitcoin burst onto the front. Many are considering that a new asset class. Where do you put volatility in, in managing volatility? Is it is it truly an asset class? Yeah, yeah. people make that argument, um, and I can make the argument. Um, you can you can certainly have a strategy where your returns are are based on you know managing volatility, changes in volatility, views on volatility, um, and so and, and you, you certainly have you know hedge funds that are volatility based. Um, you can look at things like the VIX. Um, which is negative, negatively correlated to the S&P, which makes it interesting to many. Um, and there are other advantages of volatility. And, and really what we trade is is more options. And so um, we trade options on the S&P 500. And so volatility is a big part of what we do, but, but we don't trade volatility as an asset class per se. We use options to try to reshape the, the return distribution. So um, if we can, you know, cut off the left tail of, of returns um, or if we can add some incremental yield um, in a hedged fashion. So we, we really use options to help reshape um, and, and try to improve the return stream you know, of a client's portfolio rather than really trading volatility as an asset class. OK, so, uh, so your clients are uh, custodial at different brokerage firms, right? And so, you, yep, you're using their capital in the market environments. It's just kind of, you know, if someone, you know, comes in with today and has an X, you know, portfolio, just kind of like X amount in their portfolio, just kind of walk us through the steps and, and you know, what, what you actually do for your clients. Sure. Um, the nice thing about our strategies is they're overlay strategies. And when we talk about an overlay, it doesn't require you to commit capital. So you don't have to take, you know, you don't have to divert, you know, investments away from something you're already in. You can you can take your existing portfolio and then we utilize the uh, margin or at least some of the margin capacity in your portfolio. So think of it as having a home equity line of credit that as long as you don't draw on it, you don't pay for it. But there is that line that is, you know, sort of the backup in case there's a loss. And um, but when we do our first trades, um, our first trades generate a credit, right? So if we're selling an out of the money put spread, we collect premium with, you know, uh, collect premium up front with a known quantified max loss potential. If we sell an out of the money call spread, the same thing, we collect premium, you know, with a finite max loss potential. So. What we do is we you know, talk with clients. Um, we take a look at their portfolio and their views and their objectives. Um, most clients like what they have and are either adding, trying to add some additional yields to that portfolio. Um, so think of it as you know, door number one is your portfolio and door number two is your portfolio plus 2%. Um, most people would pick door number two and we try to help deliver door number two. Um, others, others that we, encounter frequently are they know they need to be in the equity market but they're nervous about equities there are plenty of things that give them pause um and and honestly most of our clients aren't looking to get rich they already are rich uh, they're looking to stay rich and they want their assets to just work harder for them you know instead of just sitting there um, in the bank or in their brokerage account you know if we can help make those assets work harder for them um and you know add a 
you know, add a little upside, equity upside with, with hedge downside without having to commit capital, it becomes a very interesting thing, especially with interest rates having backed up the way they have. All of a sudden, you know, bonds look kind of interesting. Even money markets look kind of interesting, kind of viable for the first time in, in a long time. Long time. Long time. So you've had different capacities on Wall Street. You've worked for General Motors. You've worked for uh, some uh, some big houses and everything. But you decided to go on your own in April of 2008. <laughs> what an interesting time to yeah. venture out with a new. So just, I mean, you know, we, so we have some younger listeners. We have some older listeners here. Just talk about, you know, starting in that market environment and what you learned. And uh, during our discussion, you told me there was some major ups and downs here. Just just, you know, start out talking about starting at that time and what valuable lessons you learned that have helped you with, you know, your what you're doing today. Uh, yeah. Interesting time for sure. You know, the if. uh if I had known that the global financial crisis was going to start six months later, um, I probably wouldn't have started in a short volatility strategy. Um, and so to to go into a strategy that is it's effectively short vol, although we're hedged and and just before the VIX, you know, goes from its sort of long term average of about 20 and, you know, for the first time ever trades 80. Um, you know, that was obviously a very uh, challenging time. The you know, and, and we had a couple of negative months, although, you know, and to, to be down, you know, one or two percent when the market's down, you know, 20, 25 percent um, was a validation of what we do. And the fact that we then, you know, our our best months follow our worst months, uh, because when you sell volatility and then it goes up, it's bad for this month. But now that it's higher, um, you get to sell again and, you know, and benefit from that. So. Um, the fact that we not only survived during that period, but um, actually you know, November and December of 08 were our, our two best months. Um, it sort of validated the strategy and um, it also knocked out some of our competitors. And so while it, it, it was a challenging period, uh, don't get me wrong, um, the fact that we got through it with you know, real client money, not, you know, not back test money, um, you know, really helped our story and, and, and helped open up some eyes. So, um, but you know, the, the real key I, I, I would say is, is you need to be prepared for the, the, the unlikely, um, which is mm -hmm. why you know, we, we always stress test, um, everything. And you know, we can see moves that, you know, who thought two days ago that the S and P would rip 200 points in, you know, three days. I mean, after closing down near 4,100, now we're knocking on the door 4,300. Um, you know, you just, you just don't know. So being, being prepared for, you know, big moves in either direction is, is obviously helpful. How, how did, uh, how did 2020 treat you? Uh, 2020, very interesting. So, um, the fact that we're always hedged, that we never sell a naked option. Um, so when the S and P dropped close to 35% from, you know, late February into, you know, mid March, sort of a six week period, um, you know, it, we were negative, but the hedges um, kept the losses very, very manageable. Um, and then obviously we had to bounce back the other direction. And um, so when you are recovering from a much higher level, I mean, as you know, the you know, volatility is the enemy of compounded returns. And the, the most simple example, um, if, if, 
if you've got a hundred dollars and then you lose 50%, well, now you got $50. If you then make 50%, well, you're only back to 75. Um, as opposed to if you have a hundred dollars and you lose 10%, now you're down to 90, but then you make 10%, well, you know, now you're back to 99. So that's a big part of our philosophy is trying to keep um, losses contained so that you can recover quicker. Um, and so ultimately in 2020, I mean, we have multiple strategies. Um, our, our iron condor strategy, which is selling volatility in both directions, um, was down 2% in 2020. Um, but, you know, we also have a, you know, sort of a hedged equity overlay. Um, and that strategy was up uh, double digits in 2020. So. All right. Different, different philosophies with, uh, you know, with like with volatility, but you know, what, uh, just give us a couple of like your core strategies, like when, when volatility gets cheap, kind of what, what you're employing and then on the opposite end when it gets expensive. Yeah. So, um, you know, we have two main strategies. One uh, we call an iron condor. If you Google iron condor, um, we're basically selling short dated out of the money call spreads on the S&P 500 and short dated out of the money put spreads on the S&P 500. And so we collect, we create this sort of band or this fairway. We can make money whether the market goes up or down, um, but we can lose money if the market goes too far up or too far down. And that's why we're always hedged. And so um, we know with, with certainty the most we can lose on the way up or the most we can lose on the way down. And we also know that we'll always win on one of the two sides. So we usually win on one of the two sides and we always win on we usually win on both, but we always win on at least one. And so the fact that you're hedged and the fact that, um, you know, you're, you're short in both directions, if you will, um, it helps to mute those returns. So that strategy is only targeting, you know, it's annualized at about 2% over the last 15 years. Um, but that's 2% on top of what you're doing. So if you're, if you have a 60, 40 portfolio, you know, that's, that's getting you 6% over time. If we can take six and make it eight, you know, that's a meaningful pickup. Um, so that strategy has, has you know, it's, it's directionally agnostic. We don't care if the market goes up or down. Um, and from a volatility perspective, while it's it's more attractive to sell when vol is high because your band widens out and you collect more premium, it also suggests you're going to have bigger swings up and down. And so um, it's, it's a little more challenging to manage. Um, and so it, that, that strategy benefits most from calmer seas, you know, directionally agnostic, and it's it's an all-weather strategy that can be added onto any portfolio. So if someone's 60-40, if someone's 80-20, if someone's, um, you know, sitting just in bonds, this is a, sort of a portable alpha, you know, relatively low vol, um, managed contained risk, et cetera. Um, um, very low correlation to the S&P. We also have um, a hedged equity overlay strategy. And so there we're, we're selling the downside put spreads to collect premium with limited risk, but then we're buying upside S&P 500 calls that are longer dated. And so here, you know, it's, it's not as market neutral. It's yeah, we want the market to go up and if market goes up, we're going to make money. Um, if market goes down, we're going to lose, but we're going to lose less because we're hedged with you know, the put spreads. Um, and so that is just more of a nice overlay for those who are overweight fixed income, especially now. Uh -huh. um, if you've got, you know, twos and five, you know, twos and five years with, you know, at 5% plus, um, 
you can overlay this on top. And so you've got some equity upside, but you can also sleep at night knowing that the, the downside is contained at, you know, anywhere from three to 5%. So before, before we let you go, uh, yes. just words of advice. And so we have all different types of investors out here and, uh, you know, some shorter term, longer term, just from all your years in the market, the different experiences, if you, you know, if you had to give one word of advice to, to investors out there, both young and old, uh, what would that be? Uh, get started um, for, for one. Um, I am a big fan of index funds for, um, you know, for those who are getting started and those who are not yet, you know, really comfortable, you know, picking single, you know, single stock, um, doing deep dive research on, on single companies. Um, so using low cost index funds and then, you know, obviously, um, you know, using overlays to help augment or supplement that, whether you, you, you write cover calls, um, against the upside in certain situations, um, or you, you know, after big, you know, after big pullback, um, you know, maybe buy some upside calls to, to give you some, you know, a little extra juice at a discount, um, but with limited okay. risk. So, all right, Rick Savala Jr. He's uh, <laughs> CEO and founder of Harvest Volatility Management. And uh, we got a little volatility going on in our sports program right now. But uh, we'll put that aside and I'll just we'll, give you a go blue and hope, go to, meet blue. You soon. hope, hope to see you in Ann Arbor this weekend. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, Rick. Thanks. All the best, Joel. All right. S&Ps are continuing to move north here. Uh, really nothing in sight as far as uh, daily resistance go. We did take out last week's high uh, just very easily off that 830, uh, 8.30 information as we moved yesterday. Uh, next daily high comes in is your August, October 20th high at uh, 4304.75. Mitch, you want to keep rolling with those earnings reports? Maybe Palantir up nearly three bucks. Yeah, let's go to this one, of course. Uh, Dennis and I were talking about this one uh, just the other day. I, I thought about it. I, <laughs> I, I had it written on my sheet. I was going to buy it ahead of the earnings. It just felt like with the turn and the AI story here potential, I was like, you know what? It's back down near support. I'm like, even if it dips, I think it probably the dip gets bought. And I really thought about it, and then I didn't do it. I didn't have the guts. I'm mad at myself. So I look at this up, and I want to vomit because I really did think about buying this right before the print yesterday, like at 350. I was looking at it. Mm. I was like, I kind of want to take this long in the earnings. Man, that would have been a good day. EPS coming in here at seven cents beats a six cent estimate. Sales of five hundred and fifty-eight point one six million beat the five hundred and fifty-five point three six million. They did raise fiscal year twenty-three revenue outlook from two point two one billion to two point two one six billion, and then the high end of two point two billion. This report was just okay. It wasn't even like blow it away, but it's just the market right. Today is the correct day to report any earnings. I mean, we have some disasters today, like reports that were not good whatsoever, and some of these stocks are not down that much. So, I mean, this is just a good day to report anything. You're saying anything okay, they're rallying. I mean, across the board, Palantir, we haven't got to Shopify, it's up 15% here today. I mean, there's so many storied stocks of 2020 that, you know, in 2021 had, had really, you know, catching fire today. Roku. A lot of these stocks that have really been beaten up. And again, Palantir and Roku and Shopify have been beat up. They're getting nice pops here today. And they're relief pops because, you know what? These earnings were pretty good. Nice area coming into. You can't ignore this 18-buck area. 
I mean, you have uh, five highs right in that area. You haven't hit it yet in the pre-market. So keep your eye. I mean, the range of the highs here are from just under uh, 18. Uh, the upper part of the boundary comes in at 1844. So let's see if that the 18 handle brings out any sellers in Palantir up to 73. That's a 18% move. It's very rare stocks that I think about investment, and I really got to listen to myself sometimes. Dennis, why didn't you give me a good whack on the head? Shopify, baby. Q3. Man, me and you, man. We screwed EPS. this stock We tried up so the other day with you, Mitch. We tried the other day I know, I know. Don't try. Tried to get me, show. you know, straight, but, you know, sometimes I just don't take the wax. You got it. You just. You this just stock in the 40s is just an eternal buy, it seems like. Every time it gets down to the 40s, <laughs> yeah, you just man. buy it and you Just make let money. me know when it's back down there. Yeah. Uh, but yep. their EPS coming in here, 24 cents beats the 14 cent estimate. Uh, total revenues at 1.7 billion beat the 1.672 billion estimate. And Shopify getting the lift here. Big it's old a big move. I, I don't <laughs> think you can chase it here. Like, yeah, you, like again, maybe they continue. And we have seen some of these moves continue, so you can't necessarily short them. I mean, Arista Networks, NET, that's strong stock, you know, opens 188. People say, well, we're just selling reps. You can't blindly just sell reps on you know anything that's you know, especially stocks that are near all-time highs and in the tech sector. So that continues to break out and make new all-time highs. Amazon, same thing. I mean, it's been bought since the earnings report. It gapped up to 10 bucks up to 125 on earnings. It's tacked on another 13 bucks. So I mean, it's you can't just come in here and say, Yeah, I'm selling short shop, it's gonna come back down. Bulls of grab control here, folks. We're not selling reps, we're buying dips at this point in time. Sorry, I'm just giving you resistance in these things, but it's just, you know, stock's up eight bucks. I mean, it's hard not to. Uh, you got a big old move. Uh, Pre-market high is right at the $58 area. Uh, this is uh, filling a gap back from September. Uh, the high on that day was 58.70. So if 58's not good enough for you, look at 58.70. Longer it takes to take out that pre-market high at 58. You might get a little bit of a, a retreat, uh, but the top of yesterday's range, we can forget about seeing that. 48.86. All right, can guys, we, we only Eli got six Lilly. Can we do Eli Lilly? Because I know you think it didn't there's do just, anything, but you got to see this pre-market chart, Mitch. I, I mean, there's there's other charts moving right now. Starbucks no, is moving, Mitch, so I wanted Mitch, to kind of bring Mitch. that up. But This stock lost $40 this morning. I'm trying to do it. Like, and we look at it, oh, it's up $7. It's not moving. This stock traded 515 this morning, down 40 points on that headline number. This stock is now up seven bucks. If you think this is an example of buy the dip working, <laughs> holy mackerel. Did buy the dip work here? Buy the dip just destroyed it here. This is the best stock of the day for buy the dip. I mean, so you can just look at Lily and say, ah, yeah, it's not doing nothing. Who gives a crap? This was 515 on the number. The algo had it down to 515. It's the report wasn't good five. here, though. The it's ten percent, ten percent off of the lows. The report wasn't good. Today. Um, the guidance good was actually all. pretty bad. Not here. good at all. Fiscal year adjusted EPS guidance here of six dollars and fifty cents to six dollars and seventy cents. The prior guidance was all the way up to nine dollars and seventy cents and nine dollars and ninety cents. It was a disaster. The consensus was seven dollars and ninety-seven cents. So even the consensus was down. Like they, they brought it down a pretty significant amount from that prior guidance, closer to eight. And this came in below seven. 
this is this is you know what this is this is this is all that like kind of this is all that just belief in in the way the drug. drugs then the, the next drug exactly and they yeah. don't care yeah. and they're just using it as a dip exactly to buy. But just they just used it how, as a buy this is a perfect example of how the mentality of this market has completely turned from one week ago yeah. one week ago it's completely turned stock disappoints lowers guidance goes down 40 points and they buy it back two hours later to be up eight dollars joel this is nothing short of incredible this comeback in eli lilly well dennis i mean you you were looking at the uh october 3rd low of 516.57 bounced right off that <laughs> and it went a buck uh a buck 67 wow. through it and then right back up so that's revisionist history now let's just take a look at uh a little bit more technicals that will come into play here you are above yesterday's high i mean this thing is going to be all over the place uh so let's hold 558 and a half on the upside that was yesterday's high and then uh you're um i, I don't know if you can get to the two-day high or at uh, 569 but you could definitely see your two-day close uh you did see that at 553.93 what a wild <laughs> ride in eli Lilly. That might be the most wild ride of the day, especially nice. with what Mitch said, lowering the guidance. It's it's the hope on the drug. And yeah, it's, Algo's it's just like, oh, miss, sure. guy down we sell. And they didn't consider, yeah, but that drug is coming. I, I, I like this comment, and I'm going to go with you, Rob. I'm a little bit of a bear, so I'll go with it. What it, Will Lily become the new Moderna? Ooh, will it just go up no, on nothing the back? to do with each other? Nothing no, but what we're saying other. is that, like, let's say there's such hype for these weight loss drugs, right? Do they eventually not have that hype, or do they have side effects that are negative, and all of a sudden they sell it back off? I mean, they're 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 definitely getting a crazy valuation lift based off of that, and it still hasn't gone to like just massive use, right? So that's just what I would say, and that's why the comment is coming yeah. in. Let's go to Moderna. You guys saw that. Ooh. Loss of $9.53. Wow, man. The comparable was a loss of $1.93. Just to put it in perspective. Estimates, of course, uh, just getting destroyed here. Uh, their sales beat, but that didn't matter because of their loss here, of course, because of the COVID vaccine and resizing write-downs. $3.6 billion loss on COVID supply write-downs. You know why? Because not very many people are getting the shot, which we've been talking about on this show for a while here now. Obviously, I didn't consider how much of Pfizer's revenue. You know, I got hit on that side of it, but I've not liked Moderna or BNTX for a long time Ooh, here BNTX now. BNTX has got to be And NVAX, the COVID, but the, the pandemic is officially over. I mean, the, who even said it? So, you know, when the World Health Organization's, you know, officially declaring the pandemic dead. That was the final nail in the coffin for all of these stocks. That's an unbelievable loss here. But again, because they've got all these shots, the people aren't getting. So they're throwing them in the garbage. Coming into an area where it was back in November before it took off. And I think we mentioned this before. A pair of monthly highs at 66 uh, going back to October and November of 2020. That's what you're looking at. Haven't hit 66 yet, but man. Only a buck twenty nine away. If you're looking at that for a target on the downside, 
All right, let's do Starbucks. That was Rippy giving in the pre-market here. Starbucks, of course, EPS a dollar six ninety-two cent estimate wow, beats on too. sales, comparable sales plus eight wow. percent. North America plus eight percent plus five percent internationally. What I saw was really interesting is their margins actually increase. So this is what you want to be seeing if you're looking into retail. I feel look for those margins that increase, and they should probably get the love based on that. Their operating margin jumped to 18.2% of sales from 15.1% a year ago. How'd they do this? They drove operational efficiencies, sales leverage, and pricing, of course, going higher to help those margins. It's historically traded with a P of 30. The P is down to 22 because the stock has just been beaten up. Again, so many stocks oversold. You know, we were 115 down to 91 in the last five months. It's a huge sell-off, 25 points for Starbucks. This isn't like some little startup company here. So, I mean, we've seen it with McDonald's too. I mean, McDonald's has come off significantly from the highs. It has bounced recently. But I think you just got a lot of stocks that are just oversold. And now they're getting the relief pop on the earnings, you know, being okay. Nice area up here at 103, way up here on the charts. I do see going back to August now. You're going back to levels you saw in August, and I see a pair of highs at 103, 102.96, 103.16. So if you got some options, just potential resistance uh, there above that, 104.46. All right, last thing, I just want to bring a little fun topic. Uh, Joel caught this one. I thought it was really interesting. Cedar, Fair, and Six Flags combining to operate under the name of Six Flags and trade under the ticker symbol FUN on the New York Stock Exchange soon enough. I mean, take a look at Six. I don't know. Does this Is this a negative for Disney? That's where I'll play it. What do you guys think about that? Zero effect on Disney. Zero. They have no effect on Disney. Isn't it competition, though? I no. mean, no. Six C Cedar Point. Cedar, Cedar Point, Six Flags, no competition for Disney different whatsoever. People. These yeah, are thrill people. ride parks, and those, is, those are theme parks. Completely different animal. Disney has its own problems. It doesn't have to worry about Cedar Fair and Six Flags. I mean, these have existed, so they merged together. Probably more out of necessity. You yep. know, coming out here, mergers out of necessity, cutting expenses. It probably makes sense. Zero impact on Disney. Ah, uh, yeah. I don't like either of those places. So, um, real, not too much interest. But uh, they both got Disney nice, has its own problems. Yeah, Disney's has its own problems. Uh, these both got nice pops. But like as Denny said, they're, they're not doing this, you know, because they, you know, it's necessarily the best thing to do. I think it's a lot to do with uh, us giving down operations and costs. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, all right, I'm going to hop out of here. We're trading right right near the highs of the uh, pre-market session. We took out last week's high. Uh, looking at the 4,100 la handle last Friday, knocking <clears throat> on the door of the 4,300 handle today. So uh, good day to report earnings. Also, bonds now up over two points here, uh, over 112. So that's helping us out. And uh, we'll bring on a guest tomorrow we haven't talked to in a while. Uh, she's back for some of her travels. We're going to bring on uh, Anne-Marie Band. So, oh, awesome. Uh, yep, everyone have a great day out there. And uh, we'll be back. The closing print today uh, will be done from none other than uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. <laughs> so join me and Triple D at 3.30 for the closing print to see, uh, see, see if Market can tap on some more gains.
quick, quickly, just one minute summary here. TLT is absolutely ripping here, Mitch. This is the driver of the market yes. here right now. Exactly we are up it. two points. This is one of the biggest up moves in TLT that we've had. You even a long told time. us yesterday, Dennis, when the spy tried to make a down move, the Qs tried to make a down move, but the TLT was continuing to climb. That was your tell. TLT is the tell, folks, and this yeah. is real. It's now above 85 significantly. To yeah, they're pushing it so far where you don't yeah. want to chase it, right? Like at, at this point, it's hard to even come after that. I mean, that's a big run already in the pre-market. The rally is real here, folks. And I think you look to laggards. I think you're combing the ditches right now and looking for stocks that haven't gone. So that's what I'll be doing here today. So obviously Shopify's and the stocks are up 20%. I'm not chasing those ones. Mm -hmm. Look to other stocks. Chat, go through the chat right now. Throw out some stocks because there's some that haven't rallied yet. And I think you're going to start to see that. I think about the airlines. The airlines haven't the rallied airlines? at all. Okay. They haven't rallied at all. They're Marriott's report lows. came out today and that didn't really move. So that's a little bit concerning there. But just to kind of mention one, right? I, I, I I'm think looking you're at homing. I think from with your trading cap, not investing mm -hmm. cap, not investing cap, trading cap. I think you're just simply looking for laggards here right now because stocks have ripped higher. And what they do is when they've missed, they start going and grabbing everything that hasn't moved yet. So, and you can see it clearly with some of these stocks, you know, that disappointed earnings are even buying those dips. They're yeah. Right now, people are panicking that mm -hmm. they've missed it, and maybe they have, but I think you're looking through and looking for stocks that have not went yet and buying those stocks, at least short term. Yeah, and, and look for things that have been on a nice kind of pullback, right? That's why right now I'll say, yeah, don't be fighting too much of that financial move higher because if the market's going to continue driving, those banks could drive a little bit too. Uh, energy will be something to kind of keep an eye out for. XRT is what I'll be looking at. I'm looking at retail names to see if we get some seasonality going into the end of the year. We've been talking about this for a uh, couple weeks now. I haven't seen it really lift. I played it multiple times. Amazon, good report. Shop, good report. Starbucks, good report. I'm going to start looking to see what happens today to a stock like this. Yeah, I think I think you're just going around and, and you're seeing. And again, if Apple disappoints tonight, there's going to be buy the dip out there on yeah, any Apple tech. So if you get a if you get a dip off of Apple's earnings, unless they just throw in the towel and like it's mm -hmm. this an epic disaster, I don't think it's going to be. But I think there's buy the dip mentality across the board here right now. Bulls, as much as bears were in firm control here last week, bulls in complete control here right now. I'm buying dips. Yep. All right, guys, like always, keep up with Dennis Dick, Triple D Trader. He'll be on the closing print later today. Have a good one, Dennis. All right, guys, I'm going to wrap it up. Of course, like always, all content is for informational purposes only, not to be used as investment advice, and opinions do not represent those of Benzinga. Host and guests may maintain positions in the securities discussed today. Like always, guys, stay safe out there. This is for educational purposes for you guys to learn from the best, right? That's why we bring Dennis Dick, Joel O'Connor to you guys every single day. Smash the like if you guys enjoyed today's pre-market prep. Tried to get through all the earnings. There was some that we didn't touch. If you guys want to hear about those stocks like micro strategy um i heard some people asking about pen different stocks out there well keep up with us on live trading we're going up next we've been doing a live trading competition guys check that out had a really good day yesterday gonna keep battling check out what we get after today hit the like button and i will see you guys in just a few minutes on of course live trading don't go anywhere team as we keep battling on the day i'm gonna have a lot for you guys today and catch the apple earning call right here on benzinga so hit that subscribe right now and wait for that video tonight and if you want to get notified on that video we already have it up so you guys can click on that hit the notify me and check it out guys like always apple earnings call tonight right here 
on Benzinga. Smash the like team. We'll see you next time. Thank you.